It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're here to discuss the premiere of the third season of USA's Colony. Yay! It's finally back, Paul. It's been a long time. It feels like forever we've been waiting for this. I mean, I saw them in July in at Comic-Con. That's right. My goodness, it's been so long. Yeah. Almost a year! Yeah, that's... Just a, since that. So we have known that new aliens were coming since then when they unveiled the kind of the concept art of the crashed ship with the drones flying around it. So the title of tonight's episode was, how do you pronounce that? Maki? I didn't see it in writing. M-A-Q-U-I-S. M-A-Q-U-I-S. Mm-hmm. Okay. That means the French resistance. Ah. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Someone who speaks French better than we do here in Texas, help us out with that. We do not speak French. <laughs> like that? Yeah, that's good. All stuff. right, so let's get started on this episode. Um, as you guys know, we don't typically go in chronological order, um, but this time we're going to kind of chunk it out that way. We we typically try to follow one character at a time or, or a grouping of characters, but our guys all stick together this time. So there's really no way to break them out that way. So we're going to start back with our... Bowman fam, all intact this season, Paul. All together for the first time at the beginning of the season ever. You could probably just assume that they are not still very close to where they were in L.A. Because the terrain, even if you knew that, that the show moved to Vancouver, mm -hmm. you could still probably tell that they went hundreds of miles away from, from where they were were previously. Absolutely. The cinematography was fantastic with this episode because we had all this this wood scenes, these great shots with like the sunlight coming through the trees and catching our our various actors in these like action scenes up and down hills and all kinds of things. It was much more visually interesting than we've had, you know, just sort of like hiding in alleyways where everything was pretty dark. You kind of even got the idea that it could be on a soundstage or something, whereas this is like most definitely you're, you know, out there in the woods. And then along the way, you could probably also guess that they found stuff, abandoned stuff out there that they could take with them. It perhaps Will, having his knowledge of both the military and the federal law enforcement system, knew where to look, you know, maybe. Okay. Um, it seemed like the way that they had a cabin and a backup cabin, that this may have been one of those things like, you know, like a, a like a known area that people had maybe second homes, you know, like that, that sort of like home away from home, if you will. I mean, their place had power. Yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, yeah. It definitely seemed like the type of place where like, you know, a lot of people have like a summer home or a little summer, whatever, like a getaway of little like uh, in This Is Us, they have the cabin. You know, it, it seems like this maybe was like a known, you know, space that they could run to that was likely to have an entire patch of cabins. Once again, we have Snyder cooking eggs. Did you catch the Treasure Island reference at the beginning? 
I did. Uh, Gracie, who looks oh so grown, was reading Treasure Island, and she said, I don't feel like I could trust Long John Silver. Do you know the story with Long John Silver? I do, but would you like to share with those who may not? Well, I, I just know the the Cliff Notes version, which is that in Treasure Island, he is part of the crew of the ship, but he's basically the antagonist and he is he's got this uncanny ability to just switch sides whenever he needs to if he thinks that the that the ship the crew of the ship is going to be able to get him out of a jam he he sides with them if they get attacked by pirates he would side with the pirates you know so he he switches sides and he also has this element of trying to kind of mentor a character named Jim Hawkins who is I think kind of like Bram and, and Gracie. Charlie doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but Gracie and, and, and Bram at least listen to him, you know, and Bram especially seems to let his advice seep in in that. So I think Long John Silver is like the a good corollary to, to Proxy Snyder this season. Absolutely. Yes. And we can't pass over the fact that he's making eggs again for the Bowmans. And this time, not in a very like puppeteer kind of way, but more in a they sort of put him in this servitude role, it seemed. Right. Right. You're lucky to be here. Right. Very. Which I don't know. Do you feel like that was like necessary? Did they need to treat him like, you know, darn my socks and whatnot? Like go make out with my wife. It might have just evolved that way. I mean, if it's true, like Will said, that he's not much good at the other chores, then he had to pitch in somewhere. If everyone else is is making bear traps and and standing watch and all these other things. I guess I mean more attitudinally towards him. I mean, they definitely acted like he was a second class citizen. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, he there he's their kind of invited guest. Uh, to some extent, he helped them get out of the block. Still, it was their their ride. They got him out. So, yeah, I don't know. It could probably just evolve that way. If, if, if you went through weeks of him kind of being useless, then yeah, you might start to get to this point where you're like, can you do anything? We're all busy here, you know? Absolutely. So tracker goes off, which when you see this tracker, it's like, how do they, I mean, they left with like a suburban and a couple of backpacks and now they have like motion trackers and stuff, but never mind, never mind. They I, just all found I can that think somewhere. Though, all I can think though, are, are you speaking about like the idea that like the, the cabin is like perhaps very well equipped? Like maybe this was a hunting cabin area that like, I mean, we're not in colonial days. So I know this is called Colony, but we're not in like an old, old Wild West kind of thing where there's any reason to think why these cabins should have been rustic. I mean, they definitely could have had you, all you kinds of stuff. Motion trackers in your main house I don't or, or just I in your don't. cabin? I mean, not me, but I'm just saying, you know, perhaps there was somebody who had stuff in the cabin. We could maybe think that they were so well stocked. Track goes off. The A-team made up Will, Katie and Bram go out. They check out this two-legged walker, which, you know, since we were a little spoiled and knew that there were new aliens, this guy said basically to me, this is one of the new aliens. He totally reminded me of a Star Wars-esque alien. They like to use walkers in Star Wars, yes. They, but just like the whole way that it walked. I mean, here's the funny thing. We were talking about how every episode seems to start with like chickens and eggs and right. Didn't the way that this thing even walked look like a chicken? Like how it kind of like stepped forward and had that like, yeah. I don't know, it had a very bird-like yeah. movement. Yeah, that's called uh, reverse articulated legs, but it's also called chicken walkers. Um, yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. Chicken. 
chicken walkers. Yeah. So but this guy, he, he looks cruder, I would say, than the than the floating drones. He's a, he's effective, obviously, but he can't do the flying part. But he does his. He's he's a sentry. He's out doing sentry work apparently and what goes differently today is that he goes a little bit off routine i sure hope they come back and explain a little bit more about that later because they just noticed it and went on about their business did you did that raise any flags with you or were you like well you know robots what are you gonna do (laughs) well i don't think i was like robots what are you gonna do i think at this point of, of of watching this robot i felt like i was just like observing and absorbing. And so I don't feel like I really made any kind of judgment about what the heck it was up to at this point. So it might not be a robot. It could be a vehicle. I just, this is what I'm saying. I was just sort of like watching and being like, okay, what is this thing going to do? A being wouldn't do it exactly right. Or not exactly right, but exactly the same every single time. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's like, so it's it's just someone coming out doing the sweep. Yeah. A general sweep. But why would it not be able to see... The little flags because no 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 like why would it not be able to see them oh, or good question I, um, like i mean it's not it's not like an actual we, wall or we like see an later electronic that, wall. that it is super capable of just wiping people off the face of the earth and i would assume that it does that with a sophisticated suite of instruments and detectors and imaging and all that kind of stuff like that so it would seem to me that their paltry little hidey hole would never block <laughs> the sensors on a machine like that. I mean, I wouldn't think so, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like anything having to do with our technology would have anything to do with their technology. And the fact if it does, then I maintain that whole thing that we've said some, from the very beginning that we're all acting like this whole thing is happening from these really alien things coming in from outer space. But what if in reality, it's just humans? It's humans in another form taking some other other way of dealing with us. Who knows? I don't don't know. I don't think it's that. I know, but I'm just going to leave my my brain open. My brain is so open, Paul. And this is the premiere. This is the time to be like willing to to go down different paths. Later on, Will and Grace are fishing. And what I I really enjoyed this scene because it let me know that Will really likes it out there. He likes having his family out there. I mean, they were catching food, right? So this is not, this isn't sport fishing. This is survival type fishing, right? Right. Given that they have been there for a period of months, they do a lot of fishing, right? I would think yes. Stands to reason. Yes. Gracie catches the fish. And Will is is still all smiles and like, hey, look what you did. Hey, let's go get this fish. He's, He's very excited guy. about it. Like if this was like catch catching fish adventure number, you know, 800, they it might be like, uh, OK, just, you know, you know what to do. No, I mean, it probably is. If you think about the stress that they were under living in the block and the stress that he was under, you know, going to that office every day and everything that was going on. I mean, this setting and this situation with the kids, I mean, this may have been an ideal situation for him, even just from normal everyday lives of living in L.A. to moving to like a cabin mountain world. He might have enjoyed it just for that. But if you think about the life and death insanity that they were going through in the block, I mean, yes, you would have like the gratitude of like, you got a fish. 
Spanish because like not so long ago I was pulling you off the roof when people were machine gunning at you. So you might still have like a whole lot of appreciation for like every little thing. And I think that's the point of this scene. Almost every other scene in this episode had some amount of tension. Someone's ass was on the line or very nearly on the line. And <laughs> this lines. This was just a guy and his daughter fishing. Yeah. And, and I think that's what that's what we were supposed to get out of that. And scene. I super like the way that they actually paired them, that it was uh, Will and Gracie and that um, Katie was off with Charlie setting traps. Like, I like that they kind of changed it up a little because we had had a whole lot of Charlie and Will mm. in previous seasons. So I like that right off the bat. They were already trying to, like, bring Gracie in like she's a part of this main story, too. She's not a periphery character. You mentioned Katie and Charlie. They're out setting. It looks like bear traps or something because. Later on, we see a gray hat get caught in a in what I assume to be a bear trap. So, so I guess that's what they're probably doing out there. And we get that cool shot of Snyder lugging those gigantic jugs of water, doing his part. Uh, <laughs> per use. <laughs> he asks Charlie for a little help. Charlie just kind of smirks and runs away. <laughs> see, like, okay, but that's the part that I like. I'm like... I don't know about that. I mean, because at some point in time, all right, I was just talking with one of my friends who is actually a refugee, a political refugee from Iran. And she was telling me about when she was little, she actually missed like several grades of school because they were like on the run, basically. And so they had to be like in different in different areas until they actually got funneled into Canada uh, through the embassy. And so... It very, very exactly like handmaids, like kind of crazy like handmaids. So it was wild that she was telling me like she missed all of fourth and fifth grade completely. And so when I think about stuff like this in moments like that, it makes me think like you're still raising Charlie. Like, you know, you get someone should be like Charlie when someone asks you for help. Even if it's Snyder, we should all, you know, lend a hand, everybody do this and all this kind of stuff because you're still raising them. And like they showed that with Gracie, how she was like still reading books. They were still trying to do that. We just watched The Quiet Place um, and how, you know, the mom was still trying to teach lessons, still doing grammar lessons and stuff. There's like a need to like keep raising these kids. Charlie even though it's crazy. Might be too hard to teach does that make sense do you sense? think is it like too is he too well i don't know i mean later on katie says something about they want to be able to try to return the world back to the way it was and charlie's like that world's gone he's just like he's he's convinced and he's and he's gonna need a lot more than just hopes and dreams to can to change what he thinks about he, what he's going through right now whereas gracie you can still get away with things will be better charlie knows people will do bad things to you. Yeah. I mean, I obviously he has seen the gritty world, but that I think is even more of a reason. I'm just only speaking from mom here where I would want to go out of my way to be like, remember how to be a human in human society. And like, when you see someone struggling, you should help them. Like, don't laugh and run away from them. Like, cause we, we shouldn't act like we're in survival mode 24 seven to the people in our own core group you know like you should still help each other have empathy have sympathy for at least our core group like i get it that it's a total weakness beyond our core group but you know i mean i'm just saying i it was a little weird that they opted to treat proxy so shitty you know i don't know in my own opinion while everybody else is working bram is tootling around with this cobbled together radio what do you think 
about this radio and this idea of like sending your voice out on the airwaves? Was, is this smart? Is this like drawing people to you that like could really be the bad people? He told he told his parents that what he was working with right then was just a receiver. So there wasn't any chance of putting out a signal, putting out a signal. Okay. And, and I really liked the tie in to first season Bram who got in trouble for recording Geronimo and all that and all that audio stuff that he nice. that he had. I liked that they made turn that into something. I like that very much and the idea that like it would be very reasonable to see him grow in much the same way. You know, starting off the season as a receiver and then ultimately we know he became, you know, more of the actor if you will he was the one like pushing stuff out in the world you know he was the one holding the gun shooting at people you know i like the idea that we could see similar growth in this one i do think that they we, they did have that moment when they were on the run and uh katie had gotten shot i guess in the backpack and her and will were kind of like laying down on the ground and they looked up at bram and he was like bathed in sunlight and like had a machine gun looking gun. I'm using the word machine gun. I know nothing about guns. So it's fine. It was, I don't know if it was actually a machine gun, a gun. Um, and he clearly looked like a soldier in that silhouette. And they both kind of looked at each other like, damn, you know, like we're mm -hmm. kind of like telling him to go to his room without supper. And like, he's like a grown ass man. Right. Yeah. That scene I watched, I, I like rewound it to, to make sure I saw what I saw because Will took a moment and, mm -hmm. and, and his face changed when he, when he saw it. Cause it was like, I've never seen you like this. Yeah. And I think that maybe that's an important part of this entire episode too, is both Katie and Will, seeing their children in different ways this time, you know, like being cheering for Gracie and she was so capable and seeing Bram and realizing he's so capable, you know, and uh, Charlie didn't have as very much in this episode, which I love Charlie. So I feel like, you know, he could have done more, but I understand. And it was so heavily Charlie focused, you know, season one and season two that, you know, he's probably going to take a back seat, but I feel like, um, the growing up of the kids was like a minor theme in this episode, mm. very much so. If you recall from last season, there was this short scene when I think it was Katie and Will found where the resistance had been and they found a radio that was doing the same thing as Bram's radio, just a human saying numbers. And when they yes. tried to talk to it, it just like went off the air. Yes. It so was like startled. It was the same sort of thing here numbers coming in over the over the airwaves no but they don't have a cipher so they have no idea what the numbers mean i mean and obviously it super reminds me of lost as well which this you know has the carlton cues tie-in so you know it, it you're never going to be able to read any kind of chanting or even like mundane like over and over and over again phrases on a radio and not make me be like mm, that's from lost yeah <laughs> it has to be right right okay so even though these kids are pretty grown snyder still spends a lot of time sort of i'm not gonna say babysitting but sort of almost like nannying them yeah yeah he's a little like a messed up mr belvedere uh mary poppins type well, well with crazy i think it's like he wants to become trusted um and you do that by just kind of staying in a little kid's face. That's kind of how you just do it. You know, the, if they get to, if, if a few, if, if you get enough examples of, of them being able to trust you, then, then they trust you, you know, that's just the way it is. Right. And I mean, I thought it was, you know, obviously very tongue in cheek to have Snyder be complaining about someone to 
changing the rules in order to win and, you know, changing it mid game and that's cheaters and all this. I mean, the whole time he was saying that I was like, oh, because, you know, I'm all about proxy. And then I'm like, quit saying it. Oh, it's so obviously like you're being so hypocritical, hypocritical here. Knock it off, you know? Yeah. But I mean, obviously it was to like highlight, you know, the fact that, again, he he's trying to bond with the kids and, you know, the kids are kind of like questioning it. I, the whole pep talk with Bram, I felt very uncomfortable with. Well, because we know what his true motivations were. Well, we did, of course, after seeing the whole episode and this was like a rewatch for us, then I felt like it was like, um, I really don't like the idea of him having a kid. And by all accounts for him, Bram's a kid. You know, even to anyone else, he seems like he's grown up. He's a kid. And, you know, to try to lure him into doing something that would be very dangerous for the family is like proxy. Here's the deal, though. You can't be doing that. I think proxy is going to try to have it both ways. He's going to try to honor his deal with the the government, with the transitional government, Mm -hmm. and try to keep the Bowmans from getting killed. He, he's going to try to do both things. I mean, he did have Charlie and Gracie safely, you know, run off into the, to the, the truck and everything. I mean, he did escort them safely there and, you know, all those kinds of things. So you're right. Like, I mean, he is, he is in some really messed up way holding up both ends of the agreement, which is proxies like, that's the rub with proxy. Like he manages to be able to hold up both sides of the agreement, even when they're in opposition with one another, which is nutty. Most people can never even imagine doing that, much less pull it off remotely smoothly. Right, right. I mean, it- but like I said, he didn't try to convince Will or Katie. Katie, especially, would be a good one. But going right to Bram, ooh, it just felt a little like it, 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 it's too predatorial, too much for me. Don't prey on the children. He's had know? a long uh, relationship with Bram since the he prison has. now. And-, and obviously Bram really literally blew up that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, meanwhile, the reason why Katie and Will weren't around to stop that pep talk. They were in the bedroom about to initiate one of Colony's uh, famous sex scenes while they were also considering what to do about the radio and co- contacting the resistance. It was sort of like a all that in in one scene. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting how Pillow Talk has really turned into like this like crazy like it's like foreplay, but yet we're talking about the kids in the radio and like, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty weird. I mean, we figured out or at least would like to present to you as the idea that in every episode we either have some version of a sex scene or taking some clothes off. Or the flip side to that is um, some sort of injury, really awful injury, or a death. Like, those are the two choices. So, like, since we had It's a bonanza sexy, when we get both in one. Oh, it is. It is. Like, it's like the wildest thing we ever saw, right? Like that episode last season where the girl would have sex with weak-minded yes. boys and then send them out to be suicide bombers. And that was... Uh, 
no pun intended, like the climax of our uh, season really was getting to that point of realizing what was happening. You know, it was like really ramping up there. Mm -hmm. So um, I I don't know. I I always kind of laugh because I think that they're like uber passionate at like these really strange times. Like they they so badly want them to take it zero to 60 um, because there's never a lot of time. But it's like always feels inappropriate like you guys what are you doing like all of season one was like you guys what are you doing <laughs> like well, we know always. what was happening in season one katie right. was distracting Will. Yes. right so then it's like if you know that it's all it's i don't know it's just it always feels like hilarious like someone's just like oh just have them have sex who cares how or why they got there not today though two aliens are busy crashing overhead <sighs> the reason for the for the whole season here right all right ufo crashes why did we start in this episode because an ufo crashed in this episode exactly so i was really quite surprised that will decides to take snyder on the recon mission did did that match up make sense to you the logic did in terms of needing his brain with him but he he would know firsthand what it's like trying to move over land with Snyder in tow. It's a very kind of like a toddler, right? Slow, complainy process. <laughs> I love Proxy again, to be clear, but um, but he 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 isn't made for the mountains, and he definitely you know I mean, I mean he says as such he's like your legs are nine feet long, and I'm just trying to catch up, which is much like if a toddler could very clearly express themselves, that's about what they would say as you're like yanking them through the mall, you know they'd be saying the same things, yeah, what did you think about this? fact that they figure out it's not a host that present was unwrapped for us as comic-con attendees i liked the way that it was revealed with snyder you know his chicken-hearted not wanting to look but looking because will might beat him up if he doesn't and then remembering things from his days as a proxy and kind of making some logical leaps based on the design of the ship and and all and then what they mentioned about the factory being potentially a weapons platform did you really did you go for that like did it feel like okay that is what the factory is like do we need more information or do we feel like they told us the factory is about making weapons do we feel okay with that answer is there more to it I think there's going to be more to it because okay. they because that people keep getting sick when they go there. They keep needing people to go there. There's like an an, an endless need for people to go to the factory. But if it was something like um like a like a atomic bomb kind of thing, I mean, or some some sort of toxic yeah, but there's a biological way to, weapons or something, wouldn't wouldn't that be the same? There's such? a way to store that stuff without killing everybody. Oh, without making them sick, you mean? Yeah, making them handle it. Pretty sure. I, I mean, we have I mean, that I'm, stuff everywhere. I'm pretty sure a lot of scientists like did die of like radiation. Well, initially, and yeah, but, but these these beings have technology well beyond the infancy of the nuclear age. But is the deal that like they don't care? Like we're just an infinite supply of labor. Like why should they like waste their like masks on us and stuff? Maybe because it seems so parallel to The Handmaid's Tale, literally, where you're like, ah, oh, couldn't they be wearing masks too? I was really surprised that Katie and Bram were off digging up the gauntlet. I'm really surprised that they just dug a hole and put it in. Will, he just kind of nodded about this, right? He didn't, it wasn't like a true like family, like bang the gavel decision to go get the gauntlet, was it? I mean, I don't know what if he's, if he, he, they were giving Bram permission to contact with the radio. 
they were they were planning on doing that but maybe it's a part of their standard like how they kept saying like is this like like are we like invoking the plan right now basically and it seemed like they all knew what the plan was well but so they, then uh, it kind of seemed like maybe they had to get some things like in motion like well the gauntlet needs to be back at the cabin and then we decide whether we go to the next step of the plan but like we have to at least like gather all our things like if we had pets we would go get the pets the discovery of the black of the gray hats happened while will and snyder were out on their walkabout when they got back to the cabin and snyder's like gray hats the cabin was already pretty well packed up I think that that was their plan, though. I mean, I think that that's what they do. I think they get I mean, our friend Wendy would tell you as a survivalist, you can't wait until they come back to say, we got to go. We got to go. Like, you already have to be ready. You have to have your backpacks packed. Now, if they come back and they say false alarm, no big deal. Then, you know, you take your teddy bear out of your backpack. You put your toothbrush back in the holder and everything's fine. But like, you got to have that shit packed or else if they come running at you with their hair on fire. Like they did. You're leaving your toothbrush behind. So you, you, I think that is like the safe protocol is to just like pack your shit, have your go bag ready. If we don't go, you unpack the go bag, you know? I like how Will just opened up on these guys. I think I figure it like this. the When, they, when the hosts came, they did everything they could to eradicate all active and nearly active police and army and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So that means... That the folks that they hired are second rate. Yeah, and we know that because remember them when they had like the the like cattle call. Yeah, for red hats. Yeah, and people were like, "Meat boop." I don't know what I'm doing. I used to be a handyman or whatever. Yeah, so that makes Will a fully trained ranger, head and shoulders above anything that they're going to put out there, and he. He knows it, apparently, because he opened up on an entire squad of guys just to draw their fire away from Snyder. Yeah, and like, no worries on that. Like, if you said to me, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like run and draw their fire at me. I'd be like, no, the plan is no one gets fired at. Like, I would be totally anti. No, there was no discussion. It was move now. So in that scenario where there's like Will and, and Proxy, right? And one's got to draw fire and one's got to run. Who's who in that sitch? If it's me and you, who's running and who's like drawing fire? Shit, Caroline. Well, you're a faster runner with more stamina for that sort of thing. So I guess you got to do the running. So I got to get shot at or I'm proxy no, running? You're proxy in this case. Oh, okay. So I'm the, I'm the, you're the distraction and I'm just going to haul. Yep. Oh, okay. I like that. I don't want to get shot. Will's very good at his job, though. He gets back to the cabin just a little bit after Snyder, even even with the drawing fire bit. Right. He's all serpentine, serpentine. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And they are they are in full get out of dodge mode. What do you think of the idea to play the um, soundtrack of of gunfire? I thought that was so, so smart. And I liked it because it also gave them like some sort of idea. It's kind of sounds weird, but like the timing of things, because it's like you would have um, you might lose track in the chaos of like how many minutes the kids had to run. Right. Say you knew the kids need 15 minutes or 20 minutes to run from the cabin to the truck. Right. Yeah. And then you had 10 or 15 minutes uh, or maybe less of that gunfire playing. And then, you know, when you start hearing the classical music, you know, the kids should be within five minutes of the truck. 
And that's like super helpful to know and helpful to uh, to to the entire group because that would be blasting. So the kids would in sort of you'd probably be able to hear that you would know how far am I supposed to be when the music starts? You know, you would kind of have an idea. I thought it was super smart. I, I liked it. And mm. I mean, that's very home alone, right? You got to like play the recorder and be like, <laughs> what do you say? Like you have felt the animal. And plus uh, the people attacking the cabin would not be able to get an effective count of how many people were actually oh, shooting. Oh, obviously. At them. Yes, yes. On the on the flip side, yes, of course. It would be an amazing just like disorienting kind of thing. That's exactly why, you know, Kevin puts the firecrackers in the pot, Paul. Uh We don't know where is the gunfire. Good old Kevin McAllister. If he's taught me anything, Paul, it's that you can disorient the booglers. <laughs> So the plan is to for the grown-ups and Bram to basically draw the fire away from Snyder and Charlie and Gracie as they make their way to the truck. Even though they left together, they split up for that purpose. And then that's the scene where that we just explained where Katie gets shot in the backpack. That was a little awkward for me because she didn't know she was shot in the backpack, but she was still just kind of laying there prone for a few moments before Will got over. Like, wouldn't you know if if something swung you around violently by the backpack uh-huh. where your body was actually kind of like the pivot point because the backpack spun you around? Oh my God. Wouldn't you know that the backpack had taken the bullet, not you? No, because I think from what I understand, and and, and again, I've never been shot nor shot at, but from what I think I understand, that first of all, that even if she didn't physically get hit, but it was the backpack, there would still be like some amount of like impact, right? Yeah. And then I thought that when you actually do get shot, there is some amount of like adrenaline pumping slash shock or whatever that like maybe you wouldn't quite know exactly. This is only from TV shows and movies where the person always like has to touch the wound to be like, I've been shot. Like they don't not look and not touch and say, oh, I can just tell by feel that I've been I've been shot in the shoulder. They always like put their hand on it and be like, oh, I've been shot. Like they always seem surprised. So I don't know. It kind of seems like maybe you don't know right away. But then I also thought like based on Forrest Gump, he says it feels like something jumped up and bit him. When it hit him in that butt. In the buttocks. So then it seems like you would know if something like chomped your butt, if something chomped her in the back, you think you would know. I would think. This is all just based on entertainment shootings. I don't know <laughs> how it really right. works in real life. But I mean, I'm just saying, Katie, I think I think once she fell down, I think maybe you would have to have a second to just like gather yourself and be like, do yo yo, what just happened, you know? Did I just fall down or did I get shot? I'm not sure. She got a second and Bram covered her and they got going again. Was there any doubt in your mind what Snyder was up to when he left the kids at the truck? There was lots of doubts in my mind. I had no idea where he was going. You knew exactly where he was going? He had the tracker. No, I know, but I, no, I'm sorry. I, honest to God, in a premiere, I'm telling you, my mind is wide open. I'm just trying to watch and observe and try to figure out what information. I never feel certain that I know what is going to happen next. Always catch me in like three episodes when I tell you, like, I could tell you the line before they say it. But right now I'm just like getting my bearings again. So no, I didn't really know. I mean, when he showed up over there, I was like, oh. Ah, proxy. 
we're doing. I was kind of expecting that guy to be Bob or a familiar face. Oh, damn. But or, every or, season gives us a couple of what new What was his faces. name? Jameson? Remember that soldier? No, that guy's, that's his real name. Okay, um, okay. But I don't remember his name on the show. Did he have a name on the show? He did. I don't even know. Jay will, is swearing at his, at his iPod right now <laughs> because we should know well you guys know who we're talking about the guy who let them through at the at the um checkpoint checkpoint on their way by so that guy like it would have been super interesting if it was him but no it's a new guy who works outside the walls and he is in charge of the gray hats in this area apparently he doesn't really have a lot of patience for guys that just you know flip their their locator at the first sign of uh aliens blowing up he, he needs <laughs> <laughs> that seemed that seemed reasonable, right? That that the proxy would be like, "Hey, the world's on fire, come get me," rather than be like, "Well, I haven't actually found the resistance cell yet." I'm not sure what proxy. I mean, it was just he got he was just basically like, "I'm tired of doing this." Like, I I was just sort of like wanted some activity today or something, you know? I mean, Did you just- catch that that he basically confirmed that the host that the resistance claims to have is real because he said do where's the missing host okay the bowmans don't know it they they know that they were told that there's a host but they don't know that there's a host okay okay and the gray hat guy confirmed that there is a missing host nice good catch yeah that's what i do i'm like so a you, juggler you are so you totally knew everything that proxy was up to the second that he told bram i'm gonna go i'm gonna go help your your parents because i owe them he storms into their little camp at, at the cabin and yeah, and yeah but no i mean obviously at the point when he's storming into a camp i knew but i thought you were asking me when he left the truck and all you had to know was him saying i'm gonna go back and help your parents i thought you're asking me in that moment in that yeah. moment, you knew he was going to storm back to the camp. And I be knew like, with enough certainty to, to bet on it. Okay. Wow. We should have had a bet. I'd have lost, but <laughs> <laughs> because I can't, I, I had no clue. And when he came storming in, obvi, he came in like George Jefferson with that crew. Like, ah, let me tell you what's up. I said, no starch because George is a dry cleaner. <laughs> so at some point, Snyder's going to sell them out when they hook up with the resistance. Like I mentioned earlier, I think he will both sell them out and try to protect them at the same time. I think that is his entire M.O. This entire show has been that. I was super charmed by the scene where Bram's in the back doing the radio thing and uh, he's doing it wrong. And Charlie says over. He's like, what? And, and then he's like, you have to say, dad says you have to say over. He didn't do it the next time, right? To be like, I'm not doing what you said. But then the next time he did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I See, to me, I'm glad that you were charmed by that. It made me laugh because it made me also think that like within our own car, it would have been that you or I would have told Charlie would have been like, tell your brother to say over. And then he would have leaned over and gone, Dad said you have to say over. Like, so it's funny to me that like we didn't hear the parents say that, but we know when you said dad said you have to say over. Like he probably did just say that to him. Like, make sure, make sure that Bram's saying over. Will you please? Will you please? Will you please just say make sure Bram's saying over? Like, right? Just <laughs> right. pass the popcorn, buckle up. Would you, would you please tell him one more time? Please, Charlie. That's totally how I think it would fly. But I do think it was like a little goofy that Bram was like, What? What's over? Like, like yeah. come on. I mean, he could have said, Charlie, I don't have to say that. I'm going, it's over, duh, duh, right? It, for him to be like, I, what is over? What, what? Okay. 
Roger, Roger. So two big things happen between now and the end of the episode. One is Will says the smart thing to do would be to get back in the truck and keep going when they find the road littered with limbs and branches that have come down from the tall trees. Who leads the way in the direction opposite of the smart thing to do? Katie, of course. He says the smart thing to do is back there. She walks straight in front of them toward the danger. I thought it was funny that that he used the word smart thing. And she's like, boop, 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 just keeps going. nothing if not consistent, Paul. She's very consistent. He's like, the smart thing to do would be if we had a disguise. And we (laughs) went the other way. And she's like, takes her hat and mask off and then walks directly into traffic. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of Katie's whole thing. I don't know. You know, the one moment that I thought that Katie played it pretty well in this episode, and I'll give her props whenever props are due. um, I thought that when Bram was challenging her with the whole like, who's the boss here? You or dad? I thought she played that pretty well when she was all like, "Uh, we all make decisions like, but bug off. She was an interesting spot there because... She knew enough to side always with Will, never to like put that out there. But I got the sense from everything else that she said that she actually did feel that Bram was was right. She because that's that is her thing. Like, yes, she thinks like a 17 year old boy. Right. That's exactly right. She totally does. She has the same sense because like, right, like men's brains don't um, fully form till they're 25. Minimum. Yep. So then, yep, that's she thinks the same way. So, of course, she would like agree with him, but it's just like, uh, whatever. I just, I, I liked that she tried to be a little bit more of a team player with Will and just say, like, look, don't act like that. You know, I appreciate those moments when she does manage to successfully, you know, walk that line of like, you're right. She she may have agreed with Bram, but she tried to kind of keep her cards against her chest. I appreciated that. They find a pod of some kind. I do not believe that this was a host pod. I believe this was the new guy's pod. That's what I think, too. So when she was like organic, whatever it was, Well, when she said, is this what they look like? And they did give us like a little bit of a glimpse, right? Yeah, I I thought no, I don't think that is what they look like. We know that the we know that the hosts that walk around just have little balls riding around on their heads. That right. that is them. I mean, it's one of those things, though. It's like and how this was can... clearly organic, brainy looking stuff. Right, right, right. The only, only trouble is that it's hard to know. Like, I mean, we're trying to guess what an entire planet who's against us like do or, do all of their soldiers look exactly the same. Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you crashed a Star Trek vehicle of any sort, like, it's not necessarily going to be made up of all the same type of person fighting on the same side, right? So what I'm saying is, like, could it be a different type of, whatever you want to say, creature, but it's still on the side of the host? Is that possible? Mm, Yes. I mean, because, you know, you know, you get what I mean. I do. But um, what I would say to support the idea that it is with the new guys is that uh, when they were when they were attacking the big ship, they they were doing it with with the drones that we recognize, the small unmanned, you know, ass kicker drones, which I thought was kind of weird. I wonder if I wonder if they these are more beefed up, you know, like air superiority type drones or what, because. Anti-personnel drones don't seem like the right drone to go after 
a capital ship. Like right, this. right. It shouldn't be the same one that is like collecting people at the local pub. No, I don't think that's the right drone, but but it looked like it was. Okay. So yeah, that's why I was wondering if the if the two legged uh, drone thing was actually a vehicle, because maybe these people's technology is not adv- not as advanced as having self directed drones. So they got to have people in them. It's still that whole weird thing about how, you know, all these things recognize Will and we know like Broussard and there were other people in that little manifesto thing that they found in that in that car. Um, And what was it? Season two that um, Mm -hmm. that listed off like, you know, basically the people who we think somehow have some sort of like free get out of alien hell um, card that they that they're okay to have i think it's more like they have a special alien health that's waiting for them oh they do so you can't collect them just for collecting up humans see i thought it was like more like they were safe and you're taking it like no that's weird i didn't i never have considered that okay all right well i'll listen to your taking it more like they're part of a special project Mm -hmm. well this is my premiere open mind so at this point today you can convince me of that again a couple episodes from now i may say like you're full of it but right now, okay, I'll hear you out. That's interesting and different. So then, but my question mark, I guess, in that was that, do you remember how there was a lot of talk that I was I was given out about Terminator and the idea of like coming back? And is there any way that with like both Charlie and Will and the Bowmans in general, if they're somehow, they are somehow important to the future in some way? And, you know, are they getting some sort of pass at all because... They are a part of something else. Is that possible? Yes. We haven't seen anything time traveling in this show. That doesn't mean it's not there. It just means we haven't seen it. How would you know if we saw anything time traveling? What if the factory is like 100 years in the past or the future? How would you know? I'm too wigged out to even think about it. You're that. too wigged out? <gasps> that never happens, y'all. I wigged Paul out with sci-fi talk about time travel? Wow. Well, this premiere has done a number on Paul. Let's not forget the second thing that happens at the end of the episode. We're not going to forget it. We're about to talk about it right now. Bram gets an answer. Bram! And he gets directions. Take, it's like it's like one of those, it's like, please turn right. And it has, and this scene has Long John Snyder there telling oh, him how, what to do. I love you calling him LJ Snyder. Right? <laughs> He's, Just call him Long John, Proxy John. I mean, proxy Long, was I was, was Bram actually considering using um, a pseudonym on the radio? Or was, I, he, was he going to say Sullivan again? <laughs> or what was he going to do there? To, I'm not sure. And why was that part not planned if he was forever going to be on the radio? Why was there never any conversation where they were like, and how will I identify myself? I mean, what's my handle, if you will? Isn't that like the first thing you, when you get your CB, don't you determine your right. handle? He's like, I'm the real Bram Bowman. <laughs> Wait, what was it like Smokey and the Bandit? What Do you remember there, any of their handles? Was it the Bandit? <laughs> Smokey? Snowman. Snow, snowman? Snowman. See, okay, well then maybe he's like the Bram man. I don't know. I can't know. Bram's lame. He would come up with a lame thing like that. So I would expect for the next episode that we would meet up with the resistance. I would say that this two days has got to be something that we don't watch pass in real time, you know, because they said meet us in 48 hours. Uh, Let's just get to the end of the 48 hours, you know? Oh, okay. Tell me more about that. You think the end of the 48 hours are already going to have passed by the time we're in the next episode? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't. 
You don't? No, I think we're going to pick up with them really quite quite quickly right after. Because well, we've been away from them see. for so long. Why would we have like a big old time jump now? It's just two days. That's <laughs> what you. 48 hours means. To, to you, in alien world, it could be so much longer. In the mountains without toilet paper, two days is an eternity. The backup cabin is just fine with toilet it paper. It probably has Nintendo and... Right. It's, it's like a, they have a PlayStation 3, so it's a little older. A little lamer. Right, but uh, right. it's still livable. Well, if they had cassette tapes, then it's like eight tracks, right? Or in the older backup cabin. Right. Something like that. Yeah. They have to play records. We have that to look forward to. DJ Nasty Bram. <laughs> It's late here, people. It is, but we wanted to make sure we got this out to you ASAP was what we promised. We hope you guys will listen with us um, on the radio on Wednesday nights with so many shows on air. That's SMS on air. We're on Twitter and we have other shows every night, Monday through Friday. You can catch them on so many shows.com TV talk. You can catch our podcasts on iTunes, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and our website, Daily Review. Everything she just said was perfect. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software, our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.